I'm walking through a beautiful field and approaching what is North America's largest native land mammal, the bison. This three-year-old bull lies lifeless in this pasture. This animal called this land its home. This animal was born here, lived every single day of its life on this ranch, and today, this animal transitioned into death. This is a field harvest at Rome Ranch. There are 40 other people joining me. We are here today to celebrate this animal and to honor this animal, show reverence and show gratitude for the sacrifice that this animal has given to nourish our community and our family. This unique ability to connect with a living animal and watch as it transitions into death is something that's as old as time. It's important and it's within all of us. This is the cycle of life. It takes life to sustain life. This ancient rhythm, this symphony is as old as time itself. Birth, life, death, decay. That is mother nature's course. That is her rhythm. And to be here on this beautiful land with this beautiful animal and to be able to touch it, to be able to thank it myself. This is an important interaction. This is an important process to be fully mindful and fully aware of. And I'm so grateful that we get to share this with our family, with our friends, with our community. This experience is not about death. This experience is about life. Welcome to Where Hope Grows, a podcast curated to tell the inspiring stories of land stewards, ranchers, and farmers who are on the front lines of the regenerative revolution. Interweaved with wisdom inspired by Mother Nature, these journeys are testaments to how regenerative agriculture can nourish our bodies, rebuild our soil, and restore our future. Hey everyone, this is Taylor Collins, and you are listening to Where Hope Grows. This podcast is made possible by the support of Force of Nature, Rome Ranch, and of course, the grace and beauty of Mother Nature. I am so excited to share today's story with you guys. This one is near and dear to my heart. On today's podcast, we're removing the blinders, people. We are connecting you in the deepest, most profound way that we can to death. And I don't want this to come off as depressing because this story is really about the beauty of life and the gift of life. And when we celebrate life, it's important to recognize that death does exist. And it is through that death that life prevails. Today, we're going to talk about our capacity for reverence, how to connect with and honor the life-sustaining forces that we are gifted and what it means to honor the land and the animals on which our entire civilization depends on. Are you hyped yet? Did I set the hook? Are I reeling you in? 
I hope you stick around because this is an important episode. It's going to inspire you and it's really going to shift how you think about the food that we consume. Today's story starts out on the regenerating pastures of Rome Ranch. One of the most important parts of this ranch is that we open the doors and we invite the community to come out to celebrate this vibrant ecosystem, to celebrate regenerative agriculture, and to learn more about what we're doing. The hope is that we can inspire change and that we can reconnect consumers to the land on which they depend. Out of all the important events that we host and facilitate out at Rome Ranch, our very favorite are the community field harvest events. This is where the story begins. Now, the following audio that you guys are going to hear was taken from an actual, real, live community bison field harvest out at Rome Ranch. And these are truly special experiences. These are sacred experiences that change people's life. This is an experience where many people for the first time come face to face with death, that transition into death and that understanding that their purchasing powers and their decisions as consumers not only impact how an animal lives, but also how that animal dies. Hey everyone. All right. Come on. Gather around. Let's make a little circle here. Okay. You know what this circle reminds me of? This is like a ring of horns formation. You guys know what that is? A ring of horns is something that bison cows do if like a predator approaches the herd. Maybe it's a like a wolf, a mountain lion, a grizzly bear, whatever it is. What happens is these mama cows will make a specific noise and all the little calves will come around kind of like collecting a tight ball. And then the mama cows will circle them with their horns facing outwards. I promise you, there's not any predator getting in or out of that alive. Look it up. It's called the ring of horns. All right. Um, first of all, welcome to Rome Ranch. My name is Taylor Collins. I'm one of the founders, one of the land stewards and co-creators out here at the ranch. This is my wife, Katie Forrest, my lover, my heart, my soil, this is James Tomini. He's a bison wrangler who lives out at the ranch. Um, and then last but not least, this is Jared Holmes. He's going to be our field butcher and our instructor today. It's really special to have all of you join us. You know, it's an honor. This is something that we take to heart. You guys are here today to celebrate living soil, to celebrate regenerative agriculture, and to celebrate this animal that we are gathered today to harvest so that we may feed our bodies, the bodies of our families, friends, and community. Before we get started, we want to gather around and we want to talk a little bit about why this bison field harvest is so special. Now, today gives you the opportunity to really connect with and to really show gratitude and honor to these animals. And when we think about how to best honor an animal, 
how to really show gratitude for it and how to celebrate its life, we like to think about this in three parts. Okay. And so that the first part of this story, it has to do with how that animal lives. Now the bison that we are going to be processing and consuming, this animal was allowed to realize its full biological potential. Bison are native keystone species to North America. They co-evolved with the most brilliant landscapes that the world has ever seen. They're the architects of our most fertile food system. And so for us to honor the animals that we consume, the first thing that we have to do as consumers is we have to allow those animals to live the lives that they were biologically designed to, to consume the food that's evolutionarily consistent and appropriate to their species. And through our management as humans, that those animals create a net positive return on the ecosystem. And integrating positive animal impact is a key component of regenerative agriculture. By managing these species in Mother Nature's image, the bison that we're going to harvest today has enriched our own ecosystem. And a couple of the ways that it does that are, first of all, the spade-shaped hoofs that are unique to bison. You know, every time this animal steps, it's chipping away at capped soil. It's aerating that soil. It's, it's allowing rainfall to infiltrate. It's allowing new seeds to germinate. And when those seeds do germinate and they turn into grass plants, well, the bison graze on those grasses. And the, the stimulus, the, the physical presence, the physical bite of a bison on a desirable grass plant stimulates that grass to grow. It stimulates the roots to sacrifice a little stored carbohydrate so that the blades can regenerate. And when those blades regenerate, those solar panels recover, well, the roots go deeper into the soil. So when those desirable grass plants eventually go to seed, these bison pick up on those seeds. The seeds get incorporated into their coats, and when the animals wallow, they spread those seeds throughout the property. They also increase the biodiversity of the plant species by the seeds that are on the bottom of their hoofs. So this animal today, one of the first things I want you guys to do when we harvest this animal and we go out into the field is let's look at that animal's hoof. Let's find seeds on its body. That is Mother Nature's perfect design for a seeding machine. There is no human technology better at incorporating native, perennial, desirable grasses into pasture than a bison. So through this animal's life, through its lifespan on our property, it has increased the biodiversity. It has increased the health of our grassland, which has a direct correlation to our ability to capture rainfall, recharge aquifers, create wildlife habitat, sequester atmospheric carbon and cycle it into the soil. This bison is the catalyst for all the fertility on this ranch. All the life that exists on this ranch can be circled back and attributed to the presence of this bison. And that was this bison living at its biological potential, which is to create a net positive return back on the ecosystem. Now, the second principle on how we think about honoring this animal and honoring its sacrifice today 
is through the transition into death. Okay. And the way that we think about this is never before as a civilization has our species been further removed from death and specifically the death that's required to sustain life with all of our foods that we consume as a society. And what happens when we put blinders on is we allow an industrialized system to prevail, right? We turn away, we outsource the killing of our animals. And the consequences of us keeping our blinders on is that it allows the industrialized factory farm model to exist. It allows it to prevail. It allows feedlots to exist. It allows animal confinement. It allows the use of subtherapeutic hormones and antibiotics. And at the end of that animal's life, what typically happens is that herds of animals would be put onto a trailer. Typically, it's a double-decker trailer. The animals on the top are shitting. And that manure is falling, dropping directly on the animals on the bottom. Keep in mind, in some circumstances, these animals have never been transported. And now at the very end of their life, they're being put on trailers, semi-trucks. They're being driven across the country, sometimes hundreds of miles, sometimes thousands of miles, to a USDA or state-inspected processing facility. And when the animals are unloaded, well, surprise, they're extremely stressed, right? They've been overwhelmed with adrenaline and cortisol. And when they're unloaded, they're held in pens. And these pens will either have concrete floors or it'll just be dirt. You know, the smell of death at this processing plant is scary. It's alarming. It's a stench in the air that can be smelt for miles around. These animals are sentient conscious beings. They know that this is not right. They hear the calls of other animals that are further along in that pipeline, that industrial funnel of animal processing. Eventually, they're loaded into a sterile facility where there's going to be artificial lights, scary sounds from equipments like bolt stunning guns and automatic saws and winches and pulleys, tons of different hydraulic machines. And these are the last moments of this animal's life. This model of animal harvesting is all about economy. It's all about efficiency. It's all about scale. And that's at the sacrifice of honoring this animal, of showing it gratitude, at being compassionate towards the end of its life and for giving it the gift of reverence. Now, while we like to do as many bison field harvests as we can, the reality is that in order for us to sell meat through force of nature, that animal has to be processed in a USDA inspected facility. And so for us, the closest one that we take our animals to is in Fort Worth, Texas. That's a 192 mile drive. Now, for perspective, the last time that James drove a load of bison to that processing plant, he showed up at the exact same time that a double decker semi load of bison was being unloaded all the way from South Dakota. That is an 880-mile 
journey across the country. That's over 15 hours of these animals being stressed. How do you think that impacts the flavor of the meat? How do you think that impacts the spirit and the energy that is transferred to you? I think if we don't accept that there is some unintended or unknown consequences on us as the end consumer, then we're lying to ourselves because how an animal dies is arguably more important than how that animal lives. And the potential, the solution, the celebration of life and the end of life is best expressed or manifested in the form of a field harvest. And so what we're going to do today is we are going to harvest an animal, transition it into death in the most humane, peaceful, and reverent fashion that I can possibly think of. This animal is going to live its last breaths within its herd. This herd is its community. That's its family. It finds peace and comfort with those animals. This animal will also transition into death on the land that it calls home. There's going to be no transportation, no stress. This animal is also going to be harvested very likely with its favorite food in its mouth. Now, when I think about how I want to leave this world, how I want to transition into death, this sounds pretty good, right? I'm with my best friends. I'm with my family. I'm at home or a place that I love. I'm eating my favorite food and then lights out. So by the time that you hear the shot of the rifle, that animal will be gone. Its sentience will be lost, right? The computer or the central nervous system will have been obliterated. You know, the engine will still be running. So you might see some reflexive kicking. You might see twitching, but this is all normal. This is that energy leaving the animal. It did not feel any pain, though. It did not feel any insecurity. It was not frightened before this moment. And that's the important part. That is the full potential and the beauty of what we're doing today. Now, the third principle in how we think about honoring an animal, right, and celebrating its life, that goes back to you, the consumer. You know, we at Rome Ranch allowed this animal to live its full biological potential. It created a net positive return on the ecosystem. We also gifted this animal an end-of-life transition in the field with its community at its home. But what has to happen is for every single person here to celebrate that animal's life. And the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to remove the blinders and we're going to be present and mindful and aware during this entire process, okay? So I want you guys to take lots of videos and take pictures of today. This is a celebration. But I don't want anyone filming the actual field harvest. I don't want anyone hiding behind a screen. I want us all to be intimately connected and intimately aware with our decision in this action. Because every time you purchase food at the grocery store or at a restaurant, you're pulling the trigger. You are directly 
responsible for how that animal lived and how that animal died. But today, more than ever, you are here with us as we all pull the trigger on this animal. And so to show it that capacity for respect, that mindfulness, that love, we all need to be watching. I don't want to see anyone hiding behind a screen. Let's all be intimately aware of our surroundings and at this moment in time. After we work together to break down this amazing gift from nature, we celebrate its life by telling its story. We share this meat with the people that we love. This is a gift. This is nourishing our body. We are taking this animal's energy and we're utilizing that energy to pursue our passions. It is our responsibility to direct that energy and pursue the things that give us purpose. Pursue our meanings. Live with joy. Live with gratitude. Live with love. That is the gift that this animal is allowing us. And if we consume this energy and we decide not to live with our intention, to live to our purpose, to live to our maximum potential, we are thereby not honoring this animal that we consume. So I'm going to hand it over to Katie and Katie's going to tell you guys a little bit more about what to expect. All right, you guys, so what to expect from here? So we're all gonna walk through the field and head over to where the bison are currently grazing. We'll stand on the opposite side of the fence so we can see what's going on without interfering with their herd dynamic and also keep staying safe, obviously. Um, so once the once James goes in there, he's gonna be looking for the animal that we're trying to identify today. So a lot of you guys are probably wondering, well, how do you identify which animal you're getting today? So we typically go in with a list of animals that we are willing to part with. They're on our, they're on our call list. So they're either like aggressive animals that are unsafe to have around us anymore, um, or they're cows who have multiple years in a row not had a baby, um, or, you know, they're a part of our breeding bull program. They have a, they have a retired from our breeding bull program. So today we are going to be looking for somebody on that list. What typically happens is um, the animal that is, you know, Taylor likes to say has made peace and is ready to go is typically going to be the one that presents itself in like this perfect manner. They, uh, they stand straight on. Typically they look right at us. All the animals around them are, are cleared out of the way. Um, it's, it's kind of eerie, honestly. Once the shot is taken, we're going to allow time for the herd to process what is going on. So that typically looks like the animal's approaching the animal and nudging it, sniffing it, licking it. Um, and then they're going to move on to greener pastures. We're going to open up the gate and they're going to move on to a, a new paddock. The animal that is typically the last one to leave its side is is usually... Um, the mom of the animal or the baby of the mom. Once the herd is officially moved off, we're going to all go in there and be with that animal. Um, I really, really encourage everybody here to be super present during this time. Obviously, your energy is really important. Like, remain calm and show your gratitude towards this animal. Touch it. Um, 
take a sip of its blood that's coming out of the jugular, whatever you feel is appropriate in the moment, um, do that. Um, you guys are probably all going to see me start crying the instant that the animal goes down. And then I'm going to probably have even more tears once we approach the animal itself. Um, you know, like it, I've been through this process. I don't even know how many hundreds of times now. And like, it doesn't get easier for me. Um, if it's not easy for you guys, that's totally okay too. You know, like this is an emotional process and I encourage you to like feel those feelings that you're having. If you find yourself not experiencing an influx of emotions, you might want to question why you're here um, and if you truly care about this process. All right, I'm going to hand it over to James and he'll tell you a little bit about the shot placement on the animal. Hey guys, I'm James Tomini. I will be the shooter today. Um, I'm shooting a 30 6 it's uh, about as small of a round as we would like to go comfortably. Uh, we would use this or anything bigger. I have it sighted in real close. We're at about 30 yards. That way uh, it's as similar to the shot as possible. That bullet is about 180 grains, and it'll be coming out of the barrel at around 2,700 feet per second. So super clean end of life. This animal will never hear the shot. By the time we hear the shot, sentience is lost. As far as placement goes, uh, if you look at this skull here, we're gonna be making an X from the horn to the opposite eye, and right in the cross of that X is where we're gonna be aiming. It changes a little bit whether their head's up or down, uh, just because I'm basically aiming for the cerebral cortex, but that is the shot I'm going for. It's as ethical of a shot as you could ever take. Like we were saying earlier, this is just gonna be the really clean end of life, and. I've taken, I believe this will be number 14, so it's just stressful every time. You know, the night before, I'm just stressing about it, <laughs> wanting it to be as clean of a, an experience as possible. You know, I want this animal to not have any cortisol released into the muscle. I want it to be as stress-free as you could ever imagine, and that is my goal for the shot today. So as soon as that shot has been taken, we'll back up. Let the animals then surround, kind of say their goodbyes, and once they move off of the animal, we'll go up, um, slit its throat, bleed it out, and from that point, we'll pick it up to the with the tractor, and then I'll take it over to Jared and let him finish up what's going to happen after that. Howdy, everyone. My name is Jared Holmes. Um, I'm the, the field butcher out here at Rome. Today, it's really important that... You know, we, we all are here, we're all present, we all experience this in the most epigenetic way possible. Um, all of us are doing this as a community. This is how it would have been done for thousands and thousands of years before the, the industrialized uh, culture kind of started at the, the turn of the 19th century. And, you know, when you see this animal, uh, James is going to place that shot perfectly, it's just going to drop. And you might see what we call death twitches or death kicks. And I want everybody to know that that's kind of like turning the motor off on your car. You can still run the headlights. You can still hear the radio. It's not completely gone because all that electrical stimulus, there's, there's so much power still left in this beast. I mean, that heart is going to be beating for 25 or 30 minutes. So we're kind of, after we let the, the herd 
do their thing and mourn the way they're going to mourn. We're going to come in. Um, we're going to cut the, the jugular and the cardinal sinus. It's going to start bleeding out in the field. And that's really going to stop the heart from beating. We, we want to get as much of that blood um, out of there as possible. And that's really where all of us can start this, this process. You get to get in there. You get to taste that blood coming out of this animal. And you're going to see it, it's not a slow trickle. Um, that heart is beating. That heart's going to be about the size of a football. Uh, and when we get up to the animal too, I want everybody to know you need to avoid the legs because when it has a big death twitch, because you heard earlier, I called them death kicks. We don't want anybody to get hurt by, uh, by one of those muscle reflexes, um, breaking a shin or kicking you in the knee. That's not going to be pleasant. And then once this animal, um, is down and, and we've had our chance to pay our respects to it, that's where... James and I are going to take it back to scout camp. It's going to be hanging on the, the tractor that you see uh, right over there with the chains. And we're going to start the process. And the first thing we're going to do is skin it. And we're going to skin it. And then by the time you all get back here or get back over to, to scout camp, um, we're going to eviscerate it. And when we eviscerate it, you're going to see how all the organs come out and, and how everything is kind of situated. And then from there, we're going to hand you knives and we're actually going to debone the animal. We're going to really tap into the epigenetics and, and express these, these hidden genes that have just been waiting to grab a knife and cut into an animal and be part of it. And so we're going to debone the shoulders today um, and we're going to debone part of the, the rib cage. And when you see the, the carcass without its skin, ask, ask questions, because I'll be able to tell you, your ribeyes come from this, here's your tenderloin, this is your strip loin or your New York steak, like if you want to know where your Denver muscle is, any of those things, I'll be able to, to walk you through it. And when you, when you see the animal eviscerated, we're going to start pulling the organs, and we are going to go full indigenous, and we're going to eat those things raw. And we're going to cut them up, we're going to dress them with a little bit of sea salt, and then boom, they're going to go right into our bodies the way that the, uh, the Plains tribes would do it, okay? The, the most nourishing, the most nutrient-dense material is in the organs, so that's where we're going to um, really concentrate. And then from there, we can get as weird as we want. We've had people eat pancreas before. We've had people take the bile and put it on the raw liver. I don't necessarily think I suggest that, but if you're crazy enough to do that, go for it. I will support you. Um, and we've even had people eat the eyeball before. So it, it, this is really your chance to, to get weird and to get connected because that's what this is all about. There are no blinders in this situation. You're going to see that animal take its last breath. You're going to see that animal transition and you're going to see the, the way we and the bison as community pay respect to it. And that's what is so important. Okay, there you go. That's the kickoff meeting. That's like, welcome to Rome Ranch. We're happy you're here. You're about to have your mind fucking exploded by participating in a sacred act of being human. Now, everybody, load up, get in the back of this vehicle, and we're going to drive you out into the middle of a herd of 150 free-range North American bison. What happens next is a little bit of a team coordination. 
All right, so James and myself drive out in a smaller vehicle. We're, we're in the shooting vehicle. Jared, on the other hand, is driving a large tractor. Okay, this tractor is going to pick up the bison when we're ready to haul it back for further processing. Now, Katie, she's with the group of 40 attendees of this event, and they're driving a much larger vehicle with a big trailer. And that vehicle will get within 100 yards of the bison herd. That vehicle full of these conscious carnivores will get to see the last moments of this animal's life. They'll get to observe this animal within the herd, you know, within its community. They'll watch it eat grass. They'll identify the environment that it was raised in, and they'll really connect with it in a very intense and special way. All right, James and I are in the middle of the bison herd, and it's pretty unreal. The energy is good. It's very calm. The bison are at peace. They're not stressed. They're used to us driving out in the middle of the herd, so this is just a normal day. But the energy in this vehicle is, there's a lot of nerves. There's a lot of pressure. We take this incredibly seriously. So we're going to be patient. We're going to wait for the right opportunity. Oh, there we go. Okay. So we've already spotted our animal. This is going to be number 54. That's a three-year-old male. And it's amazing how each time we go out here to do one of these, the animal that we're targeting that's on our list, it's, it somehow self-separates from the herd. It's like it knows that today... It's transitioning its life. It's served its biological role out here on the ranch, and it's it's just made peace with it. It's really interesting. So number 54 is identified, and we have a pretty good shot, but here's the part that could take sometimes seconds. Sometimes it takes you know 30 minutes to an hour, but we have to make sure that it's a clean shot, and there's no animals you know, between the rifle and the harvest animal, as well as there's no animals in back of it. So we're just gonna be patient and take our time. Okay, okay, it's happening. Clear shot, go. James took the shot and the animal dropped instantly. And now we're creating space for the herd to process what's happening, to mourn that animal. There seems to be an energy release within that animal that's just transitioned into death. And that energy is pulling every single one of them, its herd mates over to it. And each and every one of these bison out here is taking a moment to touch it to lick it, to nudge it, and we're going to allow the herd to set the pace here. And so when each animal has processed what's happened, then we're going to open up a gate and move the herd into another pasture. The herd has been moved out, and our community is now surrounding the bison. And every single one of these people are connecting with the animal. Every single one of them has touched it. 
has thanked it, has connected with it. And a handful of these people are even drinking blood that's flowing from the neck. It's being described as slightly sweet. I think people are shocked by the fact that they're drinking blood, warm blood from an animal, but it makes so much sense. This is that environmental epigenetics that are switching on. That blood represents the transfer of energy from this bison into each and every one of these people. This is very likely going to be the only opportunity in their lives to drink fresh blood from a bison. But it's also a really beautiful act of gratitude and connectivity. The gratitude and the reverence that is being expressed towards this animal is unbelievable. The send-off to the end of its life is so powerful. There's so much appreciation, so much respect, so much compassion for this bison. And it's so special that each and every single one of these people are touching it. Its heart's still beating. Its consciousness is gone, but the engine is still running. And there's an electrical energy being transferred. This is incredible. This is a rite of passage. Okay, so at this point in the event, we got to get the bison back under some large live oak trees at an area that we call scout camp. So the tractor picks up the animal, hoists it into the air. This is about a thousand pound being, and it's transported back to where we have saws and knives and running water. And when we get back there, we start skinning it. And that takes about an hour. After the animal is skinned, well, the head is then removed. And in order to extract the tongue and the cheeks, we do that right then and there. Now, next up is a really amazing part. It's called eviscerating the bison. And so we make an incision through the abdomen and the entire internal intestines, all the organs, the stomach, everything comes out in one connected mass. Now from this mass, we separate the heart, the liver, the kidneys, the pancreas, the spleen. I mean, you name it. This is all about utilizing the whole animal. Nothing is going to go to waste here. Now, while the organs are still warm, that is the opportunity for us to cut them up, maybe put a little bit of maldon flake sea salt on top, and then we serve them to anyone that wants to try. Now, this is a truly once-in-a-lifetime experience, and it's amazing. The liver of a fresh bison has the texture of a fruit, and it's actually a little bit sweet. A lot of the people today that are trying this liver are comparing it to a really tender apple. Now, the heart is a crowd pleaser. It's the size of a freaking football. And after everyone passes it around and handles it, well, we cut into it. And again, a little bit of sea salt. And this is like the best tartare you've ever had in your entire life. From this point on, we get weird. 
kidneys, pancreas, spleen, it's all on the table and it's all raw. You know, this particular animal, someone wanted to try the testicles. I was a little bit skeptical, but I know my way around handling balls and I skinned them, I got the membranes off and I cut them up. Again, a little bit of sea salt, we chopped them up, served them raw. And I have to tell you, this might be my favorite way I've ever had testicles. We even tried something brand new today. And I can't believe I've never thought of this myself. But someone wanted to taste bone marrow. So we got a femur bone, of course, after we boned out all the meat. And we cut it with a sawzall. Once we cracked that bone open, we scooped out the marrow and we started serving it raw. And I'm telling you, this is like the richest, most nutrient-dense Kerrygold butter you've ever had. It was like a reduction. All the good things about butter, hyper-concentrated. Now, after we ate organs, it's time to get to work. And so every single person here grabbed a knife, right? And without knowing exactly how to do what we were asking them to do, they picked up on it really quickly. They just followed their instincts. They just followed muscle seams and they deboned things and then they chopped them up into cubes and then people were working on a station. It was like an assembly line. You had your cutters and then you had your people that were feeding the meat into a grinder and then you had a team of people receiving the meat out of the grinder and bagging it and then you had another team of people taking the bags and sealing them and refrigerating them. It was a true community effort. Everyone was playing a role, everyone was collaborating, and everyone was celebrating this animal. This experience is more than filling the freezer. This experience is about connecting with the land. It's about connecting to the animal. And more than anything, this is about connecting to one another. We're coming together as a community, and we're celebrating what that means to be a community. Just a few short hours ago, this was a group of strangers. But now, we are friends. We are co-creators. We are co-workers. We are cohabitating this ecosystem. And we're celebrating what that means to connect to ourselves, to connect to one another, and to connect back to our roots. Now, all in all, this process takes about two hours to get from a hanging carcass to the entire animal being broken down. And everybody is taking home meat. Nothing is going into waste. All the attendees are leaving with packages of ground bison. They're leaving with some steak cuts. People are taking home bones to make broth. You know, of course, the organs, what was remaining, are split up and divvied and distributed. And then we're going to use the hide. We're going to tan it. We are going to keep the skull. We're going to make a euro mount with it. Even attendees are taking home hoofs to make jewelry with the actual nail of the bison. Before attendees departed, I took some time to pull each one aside and ask them some questions about their experience. Here are just a handful of the powerful stories that we heard from our new friends, from the people that came out and in many circumstances experienced something like this for the very first time. Hi guys, my name is Clint Clancy. The biggest um, takeaway that I had from the bison harvest was number one, I mean, just this immense animal. I had harvested deer myself and here in Texas, your average white tail is going to be 60 to 80 pounds, but this is just a massive beast and one that when you're watching them in the field, 
you can really connect with. And then even more so during the field harvest, um, I think everybody says this, but like holding the heart in your hands is something that you really just, it just really connects you with that experience of harvesting an animal and especially doing it in the fashion that Rome does it with the field harvest. It really puts you front and center with that animal's end of life process in the most respectful way. And just to be a part of that, to witness it was really meaningful for me and something that I can pass on to my children. I'm Emily Wiley and I'm on the marketing team at Force of Nature. Uh, I, I vividly remember the first bison harvest that I went to. This harvest uh, was super uh, memorable because on the way home, uh, I really thought that my kids were going to be super affected by it, um, overly emotional or, or ask questions that I would have a really hard time answering. But the reality was it just made sense to them in a way that I think most people um just need uh, to to see like if you if you see it with your own eyes and and go through that experience of connecting um, with that moment um, the the power there and and just the the natural way of 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 birth and death and and the cycle and and understanding then how the meat that we brought home was going to nourish our families and our bodies and and our minds was was just super powerful and and it was such a special moment to share that with my family when I was new to this team uh, and still trying to explain to them what what we were all about and what we were going to do and what I was going to be able to do. And then uh, as an as an after effect, when we cooked the meat from that bison harvest, it just felt felt different going down. Um, I think we we really took a minute before we ate that meal or those meals that we that we cooked with that meat and, and we're a little bit more grateful and a little bit more, um, inspired to continue to do good. My name is Marshall Seedorf. I, uh, recently attended a bison harvest at Rome ranch. That was, uh, even more impactful, I'd say than, than the previous bison harvest I'd attended there for a couple reasons. Uh, the first being that this particular harvest, we harvested a, a herd bull uh, that was pretty well known uh, to those of us that have been engaged with the herd out there and, and well loved and well respected. Uh, and this opportunity to harvest him was a, a kind of full circle of life experience having had a relationship with that animal. Uh, the second thing is I was able to bring my entire family out and uh, to participate in the harvest. I brought my wife, I brought my three-year-old daughter, and I brought our little one-year-old girl, uh, along with my sister-in-law, who had never been to Rome Ranch uh, and definitely had never participated in anything like a bison harvest. Um, so touching on that first piece, harvesting this, harvesting this herd bull, um, you know, I've been in love and infatuated with bison my entire life, just super interested in the animal and have so much respect for him. And over the course of the last three years, I've been able to spend a ton of time with the herd at Rome Ranch. And this animal is just so remarkable and unique that you kind of feel like you've developed a, a relationship uh, with them. And so to be able to be there and participate in that in that end of life uh, experience for him and all of us that have been involved with the herd was really special. And it impacted me personally, probably even deeper than I had uh, anticipated. 
you know, I was out in the harvest vehicle and, and helped kind of corral the herd and, and set up uh, the ranch uh, manager for the shot. And uh, when the shot was taken, it, it kind of struck me. I was almost brought to tears, uh, maybe not rolling down the cheek tears, but definitely uh, eyes welling up with water uh, way more than I had anticipated. I mean, I've harvested tons of animals through a lifetime of hunting in various circumstances, you know, some of those pretty intimate, you know, archery experiences up close and personal, but never before it, I'd been a part of harvesting an animal that I felt like I had such a, a history with a relationship with and a respect for. Uh, and so it, to see it end so peacefully and amongst a group of people that all respected and appreciate what this animal did in life and what, what he was going to bring, uh, nutri- nutritionally in death, uh, was pretty impactful. And then having my family there to participate in that with me and, and having not only my wife and my kids and my sister-in-law see the event happen and, and seeing the herd react and, and the way the, the people there reacted and respected. But the way I reacted, I think, took them by surprise. My name is Ryan Powell. I had the awesome opportunity to participate and witness the field harvest. And what was really special was when it came time to clean the animal, uh, the opportunity was given to me to help remove the hide. And I'd never done that before. I had never hunted before. And I thought I was going to be scared or, or nervous or even maybe get sick, but none of that happened. I followed the instruction and before I knew it, my primal instincts kind of kicked in and I was there working alongside others, breaking down that animal. And it was a really special opportunity for me because it's way different than just going to the grocery store and purchasing food without knowing where it came from and the life it lived. Like I got to witness that animal live and then it transitioned to the next phase. And I felt like helping remove that hide and break down the animal gave me ownership and and agency over my food and just made it mean that much more to me and my family uh, because I knew how nourishing it was going to be. And ultimately, I got lucky enough to take the skull and I had it Euro mounted and I took it home and hung it in my office. And I work in software, I sit behind a computer all day and that's as far from reality as it gets. So it's really special to be able to look up to my left and see this, you know, powerful skull of a bison that had such a positive impact on the land and my family and my own health. And it just kind of brings me back, you know, gets me closer to nature, being able to look up and see that every day um, and realize what a special opportunity it was to witness and how lucky I am to be able to have partaken in it and consumed the, the nourishing food that that animal provided. My name is Scout Bear Forest Collins. I mean, my real name, but people just call me Scout. Um, so about the bison harvest, um, they die peacefully in the field with the other herd for they can be with their family eating the grass and, um, and getting dye. But they're still in part of us because they gave us that food. Um, and they make the soil healthy and makes us healthy when they, we kill the bison. 
Scout Bear Forest Collins. You absolutely crushed it. And full disclosure, that's my five-year-old daughter. And I'm fucking proud of her. Oh, boy. What a wonderful story and what a wonderful ending. And I hope that each and every one of you felt like you were here on the ranch. We really wanted to have you transport through time and space and dimensions and come to these regenerating pastures of our home and share this experience with us and with our animals and with our community. It's really important. And I hope that listening to this helped you think about consuming meat a little bit differently. I hope that you have a more intimate awareness with the sentient beings that sacrifice their lives to fuel you and your family, to nourish your body, to heal your body. And it's your responsibility as a consumer to be present and to be thoughtful of that, to honor that animal through this transition, through the transition of their energy into you. And the best way to do that is to support systems where animals are allowed to express their biological potential, that animals are harvested in ways that resonate with your own spirit and and your own values and morals. And then lastly, to celebrate that animal's life. Don't take it for granted. Don't waste that food. Consume that energy and live your best life. And when you can do this, you unlock your own biological potential to experience life and the richness of life, and the meaning of life, and the purpose of life, and know with gratitude in your heart that none of this would exist without death. Matter of fact, death is the first breath of life. If you guys are feeling inspired and wanting to experience a bison field harvest yourselves, we would love to have you come out to Rome Ranch and join us. So head over to romeranch.com. You'll find an events page where you can register and attend an event just like this. We only do these bison harvests a couple times a year and they always sell out, but they're always life-changing and they're always a beautiful experience that we hope to share with you personally. So if that's something that you want to experience, we'd love to give you that experience. Um, I'd also love to thank Force of Nature for making this podcast come to fruition. Couldn't do it without their support. Please head over to forceofnature.com and you can buy meats that resonate with your own spirit, your own soul, your own values, your own morals, meats that heal environments that are regenerating, rebuilding soil, rebuilding communities, rebuilding your body. Sounds pretty damn good. And that meat can get shipped anywhere in the continental United States. So forceofnature.com, vote with your dollars, be the change that you wish to see. Lastly, I want to thank everyone who helped put this podcast together. Um, Jared Holmes, who is our master field butcher, um, a wonderful teacher. I want to thank James Tomney, who is our field shooter. He has probably the most um, intense job during this whole experience. I know he loses sleep the night before, but we really appreciate his devotion to uh, that really peaceful end of life and being patient and being such a skilled, skilled shot. 
And last but not least, I want to thank my ladies. You know who you are. Katie, my lovely wife, my heart, my soil, our daughter, Scout, who Scout attends all these events. And she's always chiming in with incredibly profound words of wisdom that only a five-year-old can. So I want to thank both of you for making these so memorable and allowing these events to happen. And that's it. Farewell for now. Live your best life. Live with joy. Live with love. And go out and do something kind. Farewell. Ha 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 